All right, guys, we are here. You are back. We are pre-recorded yet live. <laughs> You're listening to the Driveway Athletes. I'm Jack. I'm joined tonight by Ed. What's going on? Oh, man, too much and not enough at the same time. <laughs> yeah. So we're recording on Thursday, Thursday night. Yeah. And uh, the Sixers are currently getting smashed. <laughs> um, giving up 77 points and a half. Not for, yeah, for a team with as good a defense as the Sixers have, not ideal. They're really in a pretty bad spot, though, tonight. Um, back end of a back to back. Yeah, you're, you got no Ben, you know, and B probably shouldn't have played either tonight or the last night. You got Harris coming off of a couple days off from a, I guess he had a sore knee. Um, George Hill, like he's rusty. You know, like I don't think Curry played last night. They're, yeah, they're just in a tough spot. Uh, Milwaukee had off since Monday. So, yeah, it's like, and you're getting like to be 80% of the way done the regular season. Um, guys are going to be a little nicked up. Uh, back-to-backs are always tough. Milwaukee has some high-end talent. It's not like they don't. But um, it was a tough game last night. You know, it goes down to the last second. When you're playing a team coming off a break and you're coming off a back-to-back, it's not. It's just not an ideal situation. That being said, there's a half of basketball left. Yeah, I'm not uh, I'm not optimistic. <laughs> no. But, I mean, you're right. Um, hopefully this isn't going to be like a three game skid. Uh, I kind of see it being that way, depending on, I think they play Saturday or Sunday. They play the box again. Yeah. And, and then you're really starting to wind into the last bit of the season. We're about three, three weeks left. Um, so when you get in next week, you're really starting to get to the tail end. Yeah, actually it would be, I guess a, four games kid because they lost to the Warriors. Um prior another to tough time. game too. Yeah. You know, like that was a tight game until like the last, you know, Kerry hits like a really late three and it basically was the dagger. Yeah. Um what's there to say about that game? You know I think if Ben plays it's different, but definitely if he plays any of these games it's different. Just like his defensive alone, right? Like, yeah, no, you're not going to get much scoring from him, but he does a lot more than just score, obviously. Yeah, and newsflash, Steph Curry's pretty good behind the arc, right? Like, breaking his do 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 Yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly, yeah. Cheat, cheat code, right? Yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I think I was texting with you back and forth, and... I wanted to say, like, I don't like Curry, but it really isn't that I don't like Curry. I mean, the guy is so good at one part of the game. Like, he makes he makes you miserable. But I, it's not that I dislike Curry. Like, I can't. I don't fault him for being that good behind the arc. I fault the guys who aren't that good and still shoot it at Seth or Steph Curry-like levels. Right. 
Um, I mean, he's probably the best three-point shooter that's ever lived, right? Like, I mean, <laughs> if you don't think so, he will have that argument by the time he retires. Yeah, I mean, he is. I mean, I'm just going to say it. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, and I hate to be like a kid's get off my lawn, um, <laughs> but I also feel like in the NBA, like five years ago, there were multiple ways to win the championship. And I think that we're in a place where like, it's really, you know, three point shooting and that's it. Yeah. I mean, the, the Sixers, I mean, obviously they haven't won anything, but like, and B changes things a bit, right? Like, well, and the fact that like, Ben is so good on defense. Uh, Thibel is so good on defense that it makes those shots even more difficult. Um, there's I only say, one. Well, I was gonna say. I would say, like, let's just say, like, the Sixers get to the finals. Let's just say they win it. Like, you kind of they, you know, the pendulum swings back a little bit with having a big man, maybe. Like, Maybe, no, but like, right. Embiid is a, he's just a different animal, you know, like, I, I just, there's nobody like him in the league. No, no, I mean, he's not, nobody can really stop him, you know. Well, like, that, and he's a good defender, <laughs> and he's a good defender. Right. Right, like he's as great as he is on offense, he's almost equally as good on defense. He basically gets to the line like twelve times a game, twelve to fifteen. It's insane. Yeah, it's insane. But on top of that, he gets blocks. He get you know like he. I just don't know that like it changes it too much because he's such like. Such a different a difference maker on both sides of the ball. There, you know, like there's not really a hole in his game. You well, can't leave him open. On... Do, do do teams need to start drafting big men to compete with like the Sixers? Let's, I just let's, if if the Sixers were to go and win a championship, you know, well here, like here's the thing is. There have to be big men that are as good on that that are good enough on defense and athletic enough to defend them. Like those guys don't grow on trees. No, they don't. But um, you can create that type of player. Just like you got all these people coming out of college to shoot the three, right? Like. Does yeah, it but swing that back the other, have, other way a little bit. That doesn't have a height requirement to it, though. No, you, like, it doesn't. <laughs> it um, doesn't. There's on, only so many guys that are 6'11", you know, or 6'10 and a half and taller. Then they have to be strong enough and have the footwork. You know, like, that's a, that's a big ask. Yeah. Even the guys that are considered, like, all-star level defenders in the NBA have a hard time. You know, like, um, I just don't know. Like, we don't know. I don't want to be negative here. We don't know how long Embiid's career is going to be. 
Um, we don't know if we'll ever see another player like this again. And, and I, I mean this with all due respect, um, but we just don't know that, that, that we'll see another seven footer with that footwork, this complete um, again. No, I mean, he's like, we've talked about like generational talent on other podcasts that that's what he is. Oh yeah. Once in a generation, right? Uh, like, <laughs> well, when you look at the history of, of other like great big men, right? Like obviously like, like Shaq was a great big man, not has nowhere near, like his game was not as complete. He was a more dominant player, but the, the rules were different, you mm-hmm. know, like, um, Olajuwon probably has the most translatable skill set. Um, Dirk. Dirk, yeah, but Dirk offensively. Right. Def- Dirk is probably closer to Jokic. Correct. Yeah, yeah, but- yeah true. I think, I think, you know, Hakeem is the, is the closest that you're going to get. And Hakeem didn't have a three point shot. No. Yeah. Like you forget that MB can hit that shot. You know, you can't I, leave I, him open. You just can't. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's, this is, that's, this is not a knock against the dream, you know, like just, yeah, I mean the 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 window is uh, open, you know. Yeah, and you don't know how long it's going to be when you've got like seven footers don't last that long, you know. We forget now that he, you know, like he started with missing basically two full seasons. We don't know what I, I would have to sit there and do. I, I don't know that there's a comparable to a seven footer starting their career out missing two seasons and how long their career is. Yeah, I mean. I guess they were comfortable enough. Like he, he was probably like he was ready nineteen or something. Yeah, you know, like so he was ready to. I'm just saying, like statistically, you know, obviously it's not Greg Oden, right? We're past that worry. Mm-hmm. But seven footers in general don't have long the longest careers. No, they don't. Um. Just the human body is only supposed to be so big, you know. Um, yeah. It's a lot of stress on joints to be that big. That being said, we don't know how long it's going to be open. They've got to make these pushes over the next two years or three years. You know, there's no time now to wait for development. So, um, I think that this year is probably the best chance they've had since we went through the process for sure. Yep. Um, It's as good as the year that they lost the Eastern conference to Toronto, which was a very good team too. very good opportunity. Um, It's as good as that. Yeah. That team went on to win the the championship. So, so um, there's a, there's still a lot to be excited about, even though we are entering this skid. Um, but here we, you know, here we are, and all we can do is go along for the ride, right? For sure. 
enjoy it while you got it. Right. Like this is the one thing now that I'm 39 that I didn't do when I was a teenager and, and the flyers were kind of in the Sixers situation was I didn't enjoy it. Cause I always thought it was going to be that way, you know? Um, and yeah, at, I mean, at, yeah, like that's a, that's funny because like it's a very like naive way of thinking like you just yeah i mean you just always think it's going to be that way and it and it's yeah like you you yeah. you don't realize how rare it is to get a generational player on your team <laughs> and then have that like quote unquote generational player play like a generational player there's a lot of people that get tagged with that and it's not fair that aren't, you know, yeah, it doesn't pan out, right? That like, they're very good, but not that good, you know, or uh, there's a lot of mistakes that happen in, in tagging that person that way, you know, like a lot I would of pressure, right? Like, it's a lot of pressure. And I think that like we as fans, some people as analysts like that, that term gets thrown around a l- maybe a little too loose and you know, there's nothing wrong with being an all-star, but somehow we get disappointed when a guy's an all-star and not a generational player, mm-hmm. if they've been tagged as a generational player. It's very hard to be that, you know, like to be even greater than other of the best players in the world. Think about that, you know, yeah. think about how good you have to be to be a Yaramir Yager, you know, like. Or a Crosby. Or, or a Cro- right, a Crosby or McDavid. And if we, when we go to basketball to be a LeBron James, you know, like we all get tied up in comparing him to Jordan instead of just saying, hey, we're here for the ride. You know, we only get so many of these, these players. Yeah. And we are lucky enough in Philadelphia, we put up with a lot of bad, but we're lucky enough to have Joel Embiid who, you know, we'll see how long his career is. We'll see where it goes, but could very well end up being in the upper echelon of big men to ever touch a basketball ever, you know? Yeah, for sure. And and today's NBA though, you're, I mean, you're right. Like you do need those, like you need three point shooting. You can't get away. You can't, we we've learned that, right? We learned that last year. You can't win without three point shooting. No. Uh, if you are watching the Flyers, we're about to get a penalty shot here. What's the score of that game? 1-1. One, one. Um, but, I mean, obviously the Flyers aren't. They're playing for pride. But uh, I'll watch. <laughs> are they... They're not mathematically eliminated, correct? Like, yeah, it's going to take a while before they're mathematically eliminated. I think the magic number is twelve mm-hmm. points. So there's some combination of like, if they lose six and Boston wins six, it's over. Or you know, like, um, but it's going to take a while for it to be just mathematically, especially because they end the season with like five straight games against the devils. Um, <laughs> I'm not saying you chalk up 10 points, but if there's a way to finish the, the year, you want to finish it against Buffalo or the devils. And 
if I'm not mistaken, isn't Boston like slumping right now? They've 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 cooled. Cooled. They've cooled, but um I just that month of March was bad and it's like they're right now in this situation where um there's been improvements but not enough you know that's just the where it is uh but um so obviously they're not really going to end up with a lottery pick um they're not quite that bad um so they'll probably end up with a you know middle of the first round pick uh, in a year where it's going to be really hard to actually scout players. Is that a, is that like an NHL thing? Like, well, the junior leagues, like two of them aren't playing. Um, oh, okay. Right. So like you have the players college. who, yeah, you have college, but that's still not a lot of those players that end up in, in college are already drafted. <laughs> Um, you have some international players, you have some development players. Like it's, it's going to be a tough le- a tough year. I've you know, if, if you've paid attention to the draft boards, which this will be a good segment into moving on. But if you pay attention to the draft boards, like there, it, it's the same way a bit in football where like, there's not really great consensus over who's belongs where. Right. You know, um, but that transition transitions us to the NFL draft, which is they call that a segue. A set in, yeah. in, in the industry. <laughs> I, I'm becoming quite the radio guy. Hey yeah. guys, uh, we're gonna move on to the NFL draft here. Uh so um but that is what we're what are we now, a week away? Twenty ninth, yeah. It's the, the draft. Um, so we're a week away from the first round of the NFL draft. I, I will go on record as saying this. The way that they do the draft now is dumb. <laughs> well, I, I was actually going to bring this up. So, like, okay. I, and we're probably going to talk about the same thing, but I'm not sure. Are they doing it virtually this year again? I believe so. Yes. Okay. I last year's draft was it was terrible. It was uh, weird. I mean, like I get that you're making the best out of what you have. To sure, I, yeah, I get that, but um, I don't know. Like, I hate to be this guy, but no, you don't. I I do. I do <laughs> because it's. It's not very empathetic of me, but I watch sports to try to get away from like the reality of things. Um, and the draft last year just made you reminded of that. Well, even like it was, it was such a downer to me. Like they had a package on every player and. You know, this player lost their mom to cancer, and this, <laughs> everybody overcame something, right? Like that was every single player. Like it, it was just, it was depressing. You know, like we're in the middle of COVID. It's already a depressing time. 
you know, we're, we're looking to like sports, like to kind of like get us out of that depression, I guess. And I'm watching this, the draft and every player has like this heavy, heavy story surrounding them. It's almost like a comic book hero backstory. Yeah. I mean, it was just like, I can appreciate the like the human element to it like people overcoming things and um i think that's great but i think it was just overdone yeah well here's the thing and where i was going with it is like i'm with you that like they probably should have changed up just how they did it all together Mm -hmm. um but I'm just not like I get that they want to be on prime time and, and I get that they want to get the most eyes. I'm not a fan of it being like Thursday night is round one. Friday night is round two. Like, I just feel like we make too much of an event out of like out of selecting a bunch of kids. Yeah, like making and... it a spectacle and like, I just, I don't know. And, and again, I feel like I'm still, I'm back to kids get off my lawn, but I liked it when the draft was basically like Saturday and Sunday and you had to be kind of a nerd to sit down and watch it. True. Um, the NFL is the best at marketing their product. They've made an event out of everything. They have. Like the combine is an event. The like they're they're a twelve month long sport. You know what I mean? Like their off season is 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 an event. You know, it's it's pretty remarkable from a marketing standpoint how they've been able to just even after the season, just continue it. So they, they've done it with the draft and, and the schedule release and (laughs) yes, but I mean, people watch this. Like if they didn't, they wouldn't be doing it. I I just, I guess (laughs) where it like really starts to grind my gears is Everybody has become like a an expert on what team should select, what player where, and then like people get angry and like about about it and and um, the scheme fit and, and like everybody thinks that they know what this eighteen to twenty one, well maybe eighteen's a little young, but this twenty to twenty three year old kid for all intents and purposes is going to become because they watched them run around in shorts at the combine and watched a highlight package and some analysts talk about them a couple times yeah I mean the panels of of uh, like analysts I mean it's like 10 deep right (laughs) um say this i will say this like i don't mind the first night of the draft being the first round um 
That's that's fine by me. It's the fact that it's like first round, second round. Right. And that like so now it's it's a 3-day event in pr- two of it being in prime time. You know like um it's just again, I feel like the phrase I use is it insists upon itself. <laughs> and I feel like just like with everything else with the N- where the NFL has gone, it insists upon itself. And these are things I used to get excited about. And maybe it's just, I've gotten older or maybe it's because of COVID or maybe, you know, like I just find have found that I find this stuff less appealing. And I feel like some of it is because there literally is never an unplug. Yeah. I mean, you, you make a great point. Um, it doesn't feel special. Nothing feels special. Yeah, I. Yeah, that's a. It's a great point. I and I would agree with with that. Um, uh, like, I almost like spite it and not pay attention as much as like I used to. If that makes sense. If that makes and, any sense. Well, how yeah. can you? Like, and I guess that's also it. As like, no matter how dialed in you are you can only be like, you only have so much to give. And eventually, like if you fall behind, you could very well find yourself not interested because to catch up is not worth it. Mm-hmm. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Cause I feel like that happened. Like I've, I had at different points falling out of love with like basketball or at different points in my life with hockey and getting back into it was not always the easiest, you know, like, And football, if you like, I feel like with everything needing to be all year round and there needing to be like, you know, hockey so many nights of the, or not hockey, football so many nights of the week, it's just becoming that I can only give so much of myself to it. Now I say that and we'll get into it later about how much I'm giving to fantasy football. Um, But that requires, that's different. It's not like a, like I'm doing that on my own timeline. It's not a scheduled thing that the, you know, like the draft is this Thursday, whether I tune into it or not, mm-hmm. what I work on my fantasy football stuff, as long as I'm done it, like before preseason, then I'm on my own timeline. Right. Um, so in saying, you know, we're talking about the NFL draft a little bit, you know, it becomes like the unofficial start of fantasy football season, right? Like, yeah, once the draft is completed, I feel like that is the unofficial. St- yeah, absolutely. Because then, you know, th- there are like rookies that, you know, are going to land on teams that will like, will, will likely analyze and, People will want to pick them and, you know, things like that. So, you know, it, it, you know, solidifies like a team and an offense and all that kind of stuff. You know, it, 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 because free agency has already started. We don't know what will happen come cut day, you know, towards the end of camps and whatnot. But once the draft happens, Free agency's done. You have a pretty good idea what rosters are going to look like for the most part. 
Mm-hmm. Things will change in the preseason. Things will change um, when rosters have to be finalized. But for the most part, you're going to know some questions you may have should be answered mm-hmm. after the draft. And then it's about who wins different jobs. Because, like, generally speaking, like, um, you know, uh, rookie running backs can make an impact. So, like, they're interesting to, like, see where you might draft them in fantasy, right? Yeah. Well, especially, like, depending on the landing spot, depending on the, ped- you know, the quote-unquote pedigree, not Triple H's finisher. Uh, but depending on those things like you can try and project if they're going to be the starter or what their workload is going to look like especially based on previous years if there's no coaching changes running backs tend to be able to make an impact faster than any other rookie position or rookie skill position i guess you would say um receivers usually take a couple weeks to develop quarterbacks who knows if they even play their first year and tight end really seems to take about three years yeah like i almost think it's uh last year was an anomaly when it came to rookie wide receivers because uh jefferson made an impact like if you picked him he made an impact for you right like i think in most but it took a couple weeks and I also think that most of the people that probably took a dart throw on him ended up dropping him at some point before he went off, like before he got his start making his impact. But it's not even worth taking a rookie wide receiver, no matter like how good they may be. How like quote unquote pro ready? It's still going to probably take a couple weeks, weeks, and it. it if yeah, it's anything, it's, if it's, it's anything other than like one of your last picks and it's just in that dart throw and you're going to be patient. Otherwise, it's tough, you know, like to say you're going to hold on to a receiver until they develop. It's just people are going to get hurt. There's going to be other people that flash. They are going to want to take a chance on. So I'm not like going to sit here. Go ahead. Yeah, like a name that is that is interesting to me, the, depending on where he lands, is as uh, the running back from Alabama. Yeah, Najee Harris. We like if he goes to the Steelers, like if he goes to the Steelers, he should rocket up everybody's draft board. Correct. You know, like talk about a great landing spot, especially for a running back with his skill set. Um, and if so, you're in a dynasty league, like. That's going to be a one. He's in your first round, right? He might be your first pick, depending on how many quarterbacks you you carry and what the shape of your team is. Yeah. Um, But yeah, like a player like that. I mean, there's a couple of decent running backs. It really just depends on where they go, and then Mm -hmm. affects the other players on that team. Like if Jacksonville in the second round takes a running back, well, that affects James Robinson. You know, like um, he, he might not lose the job week one, but you know, there is now, a, a, a again, a player that draft capital was spent on behind him where he's a player that's kind of playing with house money because um, nobody expected him to be what he was last year. So one player that that is interesting to me 
Mm-hmm. And we mentioned tight end and them taking a while, but Kyle Pitts, like... I mean, if you listen to any of these, the analysts, he's in the Hall of Fame. I mean, he... And he's likely to go to Atlanta. Like... That's uh, a great landing spot if you tell him. Like, if he doesn't know. go to Atlanta, he's probably not going to get past Carolina, um, which is pick eight. Um, mm. Both would be good landing spots. Obviously, Atlanta because you can't, you know, with Ridley there, with you know Julio Jones. As much as I'm projecting, continues sliding. He's still a. of Julio Jones is still better than most wide receivers in the league, you know, like, so it, it, adding a dynamic player like Pitts looks to be Atlanta. He could end up in a much worse situation. Atlanta's a good quarterback, you know, like if you're, again, if you're in a dynasty league, like he's got to be in your top five picks, right? Like, I mean, you at a position that's hurting for difference makers, you'd have to consider spending up on him. Cause like, I mean, really you could consider Kyle Pitts a wide receiver, you know, like he's just ridiculously, you know, a, a, as far as the measurables, um, he's a freak, you know, freak athlete. You don't, you only mm-hmm. see, but so many, right. Just, we're just, as we were talking about Embiid, you only see so many people with this, body type this size this speed especially at that position come out you know like you don't see guys who are 6'5 240 running a 44 what do you run a 444 yeah i mean you just don't normally see that you know like yeah like he creates like a huge mismatch for <laughs> the other well, what, team yeah right? well what do you do if he if he ends up on atlanta like you can't exactly single cover ridley um, so when you just, you know, like, yeah, it's, it's tough. Like it creates a mismatch again, though, like tight end in the NFL is typically a three year transition Yeah, Tip- because there, there's a lot more to it, you know? Well, especially with schemes. the, with the schemes, the blocking, the assignments, like, right. Um, that being said, you know, with a, with a player, this gifted, it may not be three, you know, like it may be one, it may be, you know, like we'll see. There are some other decent tight ends coming out, but no one that's, you know, like it's like Pitts and then kind of everybody else, but Penn state has another tight end coming out. Obviously not of the, you know, Mike Kosicki was like a second round pick. I think that this kid is going to be more like a third round pick, Mm -hmm. but um, there are some other players at that position. Just, you know, a couple of years ago, we were talking about how not you and I, but people involved in fantasy were talking about how great TJ Hawkinson was coming out of college. He's not, he was not looked at in the same regard as Kyle Pitts, but he was looked at as being a very, very good tight end prospect. This would be the first year that really you're, you would be spending good fantasy draft capital on that player, you know, like three years, three years later. Mm-hmm. But, um. Yes, I'm putting together for the website for this um, for the driveway athletes. If you guys listen and don't check out the website, I'm putting together a. a I want. I don't want to call it a light guide, be, 
because it's not light. The running backs still comprised about just the top 24, about three pages of writing. Um, the wide receivers are probably going to be about the same. So like it's going to represent even with only a paragraph per player, it's going to represent like 10 plus pages of information. Yeah. I mean, you sent it to me and it, it's a pretty deep analysis. You know, it's, I think at some point people are going to have to start paying for this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to, I, mean, I want to put it together. Like, so to be, to be candid, um, one is I wanted to see how well I could do with, with really putting this together, buckling down and doing like real, real research. Not last year. I did a lot of gut research and, you got, you have to be careful when you're looking at statistics. And I was just saying this earlier today, you have to be careful when you're looking at statistics. It's very easy to make the numbers tell you what you want it to tell you. Does that make sense? It does, because I, I think I know where you're getting at. So like, let's just say you have a, a, a running back that had a ton of points, right? But what if, those points came in like two or three games right. and, and, and some in five or six games, there weren't a lot of points from that player. Like that really hurts you week to week. Right. Yeah. That's one of the statistics that I really like total if... points. Isn't, isn't like a, um, it's not a tell all, I guess. No, and it might not. It might actually be a bad barometer. So, I uh, I'm going to tell the story again. Um, but I told it last year when we when we kind of started to launch this, and one of the things that got me really into fantasy analysis was many years ago. Um, Michael Turner had like a career year. It was his first year with Atlanta, I believe. And the next year he was being like the first or second running back selected. And I had listened to someone and I had bought like a magazine guide, I believe. And basically they were saying like, don't, if you get the first or second pick, don't take Michael Turner. And it was like, we still think he'll be good, but 80% of his yards came against these five, or points came against these five defenses which he is not playing next year. Um, And it was an analysis that I didn't even think of because back then you basically just looked at like, who were the top five backs, you know, like what's changed, you know, is, is there a new coach or, or a new quarterback there or have they gotten the offensive line got better? That was it. Like that was the in-depth part of it. And I'd read that and I was like, wow, I never really would have considered this. And I'm glad someone put this together. And, And what do you know? Michael Turner was a bust the next year. And it changed my whole feelings about how you view stats and and reading it. So one of the things, as you brought up, one of the things that I really like to do is look at, all right, fine, I've got, we can pluck any any player out. Um, uh, I'm trying to, now that I'm going to, now I'm going to draw a blank. Now I'm looking at Miles Sanders, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And I go, well, how many times did he actually finish in the top 12, right? 
that's an important statistic to, to know. How many times did he finish outside of 24? That's an important statistic to know. He met you, your running back five may have actually only had two weeks where he was a running back one through 12. Right. And they just were so good that it pulled the, to- you know, like it pulled the, to- it skewed everything as you were, as you were saying. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like, uh, but it, it, even more than that, like if you want to tell a story, if, if you believe a guy wasn't as good as they were, um, and you look at the data, you can, if that's, if you go in wanting to find it, you'll be able to find it. If you go in not wanting to find it, you'll be able to not find it. You have to, when you start pulling apart statistics, you really have to try and not let interpretation lead too much, but also don't only look at numbers. Right. It's it's a tough, a tough balance you have to do. For sure. And, you know, like, like you said that you're, you know, yeah, all you have to go by is the year before at sometimes, right? Like, you can, like, then you have to start looking like, all right, well, who's this person? Like, who are they playing like this year? And like defenses and, uh, you know, I mean, it just, yeah, points per week is really important. You know, how do they do versus their projection? Right. Like that's important to, to look at. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of like the other pieces. Oh, like uh, is there a coaching or coordinator change? Well, what, what did that coordinator's offenses look like? You know, like I looked at um, DeAndre Swift. Well, mm-hmm. I looked at DeAndre Swift. Well, they, they had an entire coaching change. Yes. Right. And I looked at it and I go, well, who, who's their offensive coordinator now? Well, it was the, it was the coordinator from the chargers um, while Melvin Gordon was, was there. Okay. Well, his rushing offenses were middle of the road, but every year he had a top 10 running back. Right. So that, that should speak good things for whoever the starting running back in in Detroit's going to be right. Like, you be you have to try and read a little bit of tea leaves because you don't know what a brand new offense is going to look like, and yeah, you don't like, know. I, if it's I guess, like generally apples. speaking, too, like when you get a new coach or a new coordinator, it's not all put together that first year, right? Like it no, might take another two years, and especially not game one, and especially we don't know what preseason is going to look like. We don't know what camps are going to look like, you know. So it might take a little bit for for teams to gel, right? And something interesting you asked me, um, and I kind of knew this already because I just like I looked into it. You said, it, "What do you think when you think of Tyreek Hill? Is that like?" Is he a boom or bust guy? Meaning, like, did he, did he, you know, we know he hits home runs, right? Like, did he only, did he have like two 50 point weeks and then weeks where he had under 10 points? Well, that really isn't the case, right? Like, no, but it's easy when you look at a guy whose nickname is the Cheetah, right? It is. And who you know is that explosive. To think that it's all 
or nothing. Yeah, it's not though. Uh, actually, it's the opposite. Yeah. Right. Um, but if you don't like, I guess what I'm going to say is when you like, when you're starting to do research, if you do your, like, if you don't do your own, don't just look at someone's ranks and assume, you know, either, you know, like, I think one of my taglines is going to be show the work. Um, Cause I think that's what I, what I do with like, when I'm describing this, I think of it as like the math, you know, like when you were a kid, the teacher wanted you to show the work. Don't just give me the answer because your work could have been correct. And you just made a, a small mistake and gotten the wrong answer. Mm-hmm. And showing the work is almost as important as getting the rank right. So you're going back to sister Alice right now. I'm going back to sister Alice Hess. <laughs> <laughs> and you got to do you got to show the work or else you're going to have to come at lunch or after school or after school to, yeah. to do the work. Right. So that's a good lesson we were taught by Sister Alice. I mean, I wasn't a fan of Sister Alice freshman year of high school, but I will say I probably am good at math partially due to Sister Alice. <laughs> As Sister Alice, if you're listening, we thank you. <laughs> <laughs> think she's a big fantasy football fan? I think so. Yes. <laughs> she's She's got her iPod. She's like, what is this Driveway Athletes podcast? <laughs> I think I'm going to give a listen. She's over in the convent? Yes. So. But um, point being is, is like when you when you look at it, it's very easy to think of cliches and players and mm-hmm. Tyree Kill you to pick you picture being like Amari Cooper or Deshaun Jackson. Um, and really, when you look at it, he's actually a week in week out performer. Now, some of that I would say. One is obviously this is a very talented player. So the next words out of my mouth are not me saying this is not a very talented player. He's also on the best offense in football. Yeah, like, the- let's be honest. Like, yeah, he he's he's got a great quarterback, and his coach knows how to get him into space, right? To to optimize his talents. Yeah. So when you look at a Tyreek Hill and you go, we go like, let's not pigeonhole him. Let's, let's, let's not mark him incorrectly. But the reality also is, is like, you know, as with most wide receivers, a quarterback change would change a huge deal um, for this player. Um, that being said, he's a plug and play wide receiver one every week. He's going to get you like 13 to 17 points. Now, once in a while, he'll get is, is he a first round pick? I, I mean, would say, yeah, right. Like he, to me, he's ranked my number two receiver in many draft boards. He's the number one, um, but I'd say he's a first round pick because there's always going to be two to three receivers that go in the first round mm-hmm. for sure. 
for sure. It means that I probably won't have him, and that's just a matter of like I almost never take a receiver in the first round. Like it's like personal preference. It so. just if I am, it's going to be late, and then there's an argument about if that's a first or a second round pick if it's pick eleven. You know, like right. Um, so. Uh, you know, like, yes, he's a first round player. It, it would go up to your preference for where you would want to take a wide receiver um, if you were take going in the first round. Um, but I'm not going to sit here and t- say like, no, absolutely not. This, if you're going to take a receiver, there's as good an argument for Hill as there is as Adams or vice versa. Yeah, I. Um, this year is going to be interesting, I, I would say, with the draft. Do you remember a couple of years ago where um, the top three picks were receivers? Well, I was going to say that, but where like the running backs that previous year, there was just a lot of doubt in, in that position. Yeah, I can't I don't... remember the year, but there was a lot of doubt in the position. And more non-running backs got picked in that in that first round. And See, I, I feel like that does, that's going to happen this year. It may. I feel like, it, again, it really is going to be up to the player. But I still feel like the top five running backs are all worthy of being top five picks. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you you, you might be right. Like Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry. First, like, come on, don't don't be too cute here. You could easily take Henry number one. Absolutely, absolutely, you could. Two thousand yards for it last year. You know, like nobody would be upset at you for doing that. I mean, if if anyone is, they're an idiot. He's not my number one, but it doesn't mean he's not worthy. I almost feel like you could make the argument for any of those three guys to be one. Mm-hmm. Cook, you could make the argument to be one. McCaffrey, you could make the argument to be one. Henry, you could make the argument to be one. After that, there starts to get a... F- they're not as quite as sure a thing, but they're still... These aren't one-year wonders. No, like... Alvin Kamara. Kamara, yeah, he would be. He gets 80 catches a year. Yep. Every year. <laughs> um, so, you know, if you're going to say, like, oh, I'm worried about it being, you know, the quarterback change. I don't know. The last time we saw Drew Brees, he wasn't slinging the ball around. You know, like, I don't know that he struck fear in the hearts of defenders. No, he didn't. If anything, it's going to. You know, I predict Winston gets the the job. Now, as far as like NFL quarterback, like I'm um, like like real NFL play, like I don't think he's winning any championships. But when you're talking about fantasy, oh yeah, hell yeah. I mean, that's great for Michael Thomas. That's great for Alvin Kamara. Yeah, like it, it. He might throw forty touchdowns and interceptions but (laughs) (laughs) but that is what it is that's what you're getting you know like um i'm not gonna sit here and you know i'd be very happy if it's Jameis winston i mean if it's Jameis winston i could i could logically sit down and make the argument that alvin Kamara is the number one running back 
Do, would I, you know, would I advocate for it? No. But is there an argument to be made? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, but it starts to get, once you get past Camara, um, it's, you know, you start to, you do start to get a little bit even more question marks, right? What do you do with Saquon Barkley? Um, I'm trying to think, you know, like he's like a- Zeke, like I think he may have seen better days. Zeke is, I think, 11 right now for me. Um, we will see if it stays that way. But Zeke is currently 11 for me. I am not advocating even at 11 necessarily, you know, like um, taking him. I, I just that offensive line isn't what it used to be, regardless of what you think of running backs hitting his age with his mileage, that offensive line just isn't what it used to be. And um, I don't know that Dak is good enough to really say that there's going to be a bounce back for that line. I think that line got him hurt and I don't think it's vastly improved and they're going to draft defense, you know, like, and Zeke has a lot of miles on him. A lot. But one of the one of the interesting I don't want to I don't want to give the whole guide away because maybe we'll do some episodes where like uh-huh. I take some ex ex excerpts, but if I can gee, I can't talk tonight. But um <laughs> but one of the things I found like really illuminating for why and look, Zeke still finished the year last year as like running back ten. So it's not like he was atrocious but if you took him as your second or third running back you were not happy no um and one of the things that i that i looked at that i found to be interesting right because it's one thing to say i think i think that the offensive line wasn't as good as it's been in the past and it's another thing to say i know you know and the thing that I looked at is Zeke averaged about 1.9 yards before contact per rush. The worst of his career. Um, the wor- like um, One of the worst of running backs in the top 12. But there were players who averaged that and finished better than him. So, right, like a Z- David Montgomery and James had that same average. Mm-hmm. They had better years. So is Zeke really dependent or has he become dependent on there just being that much space for him? Right. You know, and now that it's not there and it's the same thing, right? That that's status telling, because then you're looking at last season, he had about 400 yards before contact in his peak. Zeke was getting 800 yards before contact, you know, like so that's half it, as much it's yeah. half before someone's in his face. That's a big difference in offensive line play. Mm-hmm. And yes, like opera or volume is king for running backs, but the reality is, is if the success isn't there, they're not going to hand the ball off as much. It's no offense is going to keep doing that. And you have a different, you know, this isn't Jason Garrett who's going to want to run the ball twenty-five to thirty times a game. You know, they changed coaching staffs last year. I just, I don't think that we're going to see top five Zeke again. No. So what's his ceiling, right? And that's I have him at eleven. Eleven might be his ceiling. Yeah, it might be. 
you're right. You know, you might be drafting him at his ceiling at 11. That's not, you never really want to be drafting guys at their ceiling. Now, if you're telling me I can get him at wide receiver four or running back 14, and I've got another really good running back or a great wide receiver, I'd feel a lot better. Right. Like you don't want him to be your first running back. Or if I take him, he's not going to be my only running I'm back. I'm sorry. Like, like, you might not want to take him in the first round is what I'm saying. Your first pick. No, no. Like, if, if I, he's currently my running back 11, which means he's, he's a talent first round pick in my ranks. I don't know that it's going to break out that way. A lot can change between now and the, and the regular season. But if I'm taking him at pick 11, we're just going to say that that's, you know, it was 10 straight running backs and he's, you know, Mm-hmm. And I'm taking him at pick 11. Well, I'm not going to take a receiver in the second round. I'm probably going to take another running back, mm-hmm. you know, and then I'd feel a lot better about it. Whereas, like, um, and I'm not going to take a, like, I have Gibson very high. If I take Zeke, I'm not going to take as risky a guy as Gibson. Does that make sense? It totally makes sense, yeah. But that's a draft yeah. philosophy piece less so than, like, how I feel about the player. Right. And we'll uh, get into that, you know, like... As we get closer to draft time. Right. Um, one thing I want to bring up, we, we had talked about a couple weeks ago, um, doing, like, a rewatch. I know you haven't watched it, but doing a rewatch of... Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. All right, so... I did watch the first episode and um, I was kind of blown away by it, to be honest with you. Like the show didn't end well, um, but I wanted to do a rewatch to like appreciate it. Right. And the first episode has everything that sums up the, the story the entire series like you get like a glimpse of the white walkers you get a glimpse of all the characters or most i'm sorry the main character the main characters and like this kind of the story behind them and like it it's i mean it really was fantastic like it's a reason why that show was as popular as it was. Again, I, I get it didn't end well, right? But, but I, like, I'm going to, I know that you're caveating, you feel like you have to caveat it. I feel like the first three seasons of Game of Thrones is probably some of the best television um, there's been. You know, like you can put it up with any other show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still feel like, we get stressed about the ending a lot and um, the reality is, is like, I'm not upset with how the show ended. I think that, and I think that you would probably agree. It's just that it felt rushed. It did. It did feel rushed. Um, Especially when you go back and watch some of these early episodes, when things move a lot more methodically. Right. And like, you know, like I'm on a lot of websites when they're talking about like greatest shows of all time and just talking about like great writing and 
all that. And it, I feel like Game of Thrones has like quickly like disappeared from from some of this. Like, you know, we listen. Like my favorite shows of all time, you know, The Sopranos and uh, Breaking Bad and um, things like, you know, those two shows. Like, I With remember the consensus like, top Thrones, three just, shows. It was just must watch. Like, I just remember like the Red Wedding. Like, I forget what season that was. Maybe, maybe the third. I remember like at the time when that that episode aired the talk around it was it was just like everywhere right like and and it's looked upon as like one of the greatest episodes of of tv like in 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 history right oh yeah it's a i mean that's a see like what right so you mentioned Breaking Bad and The Sopranos, and they're two of usually, you know, if, if people name you top three, even if they gave you top, even if it's, if it's not a top three, both show, series are going to be in, in every, just about everyone's top five. Correct. Um, especially a drama. Mm-hmm. Game of Thrones has like an additional layer of like, like those are like crime syndicate shows like i'm trying to think of like what the common thread is there like um these are people you know like people who you can like they're doing wrong but they're they're like heroes correct you know game of thrones gives you like a bit of like political intrigue um obviously fantasy but like it gives you like a lot more deception from like multiple angles yeah, like a um, political game, right? Like Right. And the thing is too, even with like in Breaking Bad with Gustavo Fring, Game of Thrones gives you really hateable characters. <laughs> yeah, like know, yes. Like I mean I mean I mean I would say hateable like hateable characters, like they would be ranked like if you were looked at hateable characters, if we made a category like that, two of them would be in, in the top five, right? Like from Game of Thrones, yeah. yeah. I just don't no, know. No, like just Sopranos from is... history, like TV history. Yeah, like... I don't know that The Sopranos has a character that you hate as much as Joffrey, right? Right, and I don't know that we're just using your examples. I don't know that Breaking Bad has a character as hateable as Ramsey Bolton. No, I I I just like they're bastards. You know what I mean? Like they really are. But you, like, yeah, like sons of bitches. You know what I mean? Like in a series like Game of Thrones, where it is fantasy, I feel like you need that. You need the person to root against, right? You know, because like Breaking Bad, in some of the seasons, you're rooting against Hank. You know, like. Who's the one doing the right thing? And even like Walters to some extent, right? Like Yeah, to some extent, yes. You you Yes. Like yeah, like so I wanted to kind of like honor this show and and do this rewatch because I got like Breaking Bad, 
The Sopranos. Another one of like my favorite shows is The West Wing. Like I've rewatched those shows like two and three times. I've never rewatched Game of Thrones. I I have a feeling, and we'll see as we get through it. I have a feeling that rewatching it without all the pressure and hoopla mm-hmm. and getting to just enjoy it for what it is will actually bring a different appreciation to it. Yeah, and I agree with that. I totally agree with that. And that's why, like, when I said when I watched this first episode, like, it brought back, like, a lot of things for me. Like, and I was just like, damn, I'm like, this is a great episode one of of a TV series. I get why this show was as popular as it was. Absolutely. Yeah. So... I mean, it's it doesn't have as much intrigue as The Office. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, that would be a fun. That would actually be a fun show to, to do like a rewatch on. I mean, I know there's a ton of like podcasts just on rewatches nowadays, but like, um, it's funny because I never. You got me into that show because we made like a deal like I would watch that and you would watch Breaking Bad and um yeah the the office quickly became like one of my like favorite shows that I've ever watched, you know. It's so, but it's something where like it's a light watch. You can put it on when you're doing other stuff, you know, like, and, and that's kind of like what it's become for me. It's not, it's like background noise, right? Yeah, like, it's, it's light, you know, like some of those other, like the dramas, sometimes you don't want to take that emotional journey, you know, like, no, no. Yeah. You're right. For sure. Um, yeah. Like, yeah, like the the office, and it's fine because uh, my uh, my daughter Ava she she watched the office, and it was just like fun to like watch it like along with her and and laugh, and it, it was just like a cool like thing to do. Because I like I said, like I I never watched a show while it was on air, right? Um, right. Because I had this like skepticism where I didn't trust network comedies. Well, that was like the show. Yeah. But that was like the show that shouldn't have been like NBC wasn't really sold on that show. I think until after the third season finished. Um, So I get your point a hundred percent. You think it's going to be cheesy and there's going to be, you know, laugh tracks and yeah. Like, yeah, like uh, like a husband wife with the mother in law type, you know, like yeah, yeah like the uh, everybody loves Raymond. Yeah, um, so I was very skeptical, and given like I'm glad like I finally gave it the chance it deserved and really like laughed my ass off. <laughs> You know, what crack, you know, what cracks me up or I don't want to say cracks me up, but you know, what's something that I don't understand. You mentioned your, your, your daughter, you know, mm-hmm. there's something I don't understand is that it's 
um, people who are like younger than us, like like friends is is getting it like a re. A yeah. Re-watch. So my my daughter's age group rewatch Friends. I. I get why Friends is a cultural phenomenon when we were like teenagers. Like it's it's funny how that happened. Yeah, like, but I don't understand why anybody now would. Yeah, it didn't really hold up, right? No, like you watch it now, and I I feel like it feels really dated. Really, you know, some parts are cringy, um, but. I guess, you know, I'm not a teenager either. So what right. the hell do I know? You know? But like she she started getting like friends posters and all that stuff. <laughs> that I, I Yeah. I don't... So I mean her her age group is which is like kind of cool because it's like a bit of nostalgia like that they're that age group is getting into. So like even like rewatch and like they were watch they're watching Friends you know what I mean yeah. or not Friends um The Office so um that is kind of cool to me anyway I never watched really? Friends so um it's hard for me to comment about it no but like Friends was such such a like a pop culture phenomenon for sure you know, yeah. when we were like. Teen, late teenagers um especially when it ended um not quite the, i i don't know like i'll always be much more a fan of seinfeld but a different type of phenomenon i guess well i guess like i could see her age group and you watch your show i didn't it was um oh, i think you watched it uh how I Met Your Mother, right? I watched it. Um, not the biggest fan of it, though. Got you. Um, I I've watched it, and there's some parts that I find funny, uh, but I like. It's very hard to like a show where you hate the main character. <laughs> yeah, and I can see that. I did not like the main character of how, how I met your mother. I was not a fan of Ted Mosby. Is that Neil Patrick Harris? No, no, it's uh, I'm trying to think of what else he's in, but it's, it's, um, it is not Neil Patrick. He, his, his name is Barney. Got you. Um, but no. And I also wonder how well that even holds up just a few years later, honestly. Yeah. I mean, does that, that could fall into the friend's, kind of category yeah so um no I, I was not the biggest fan of how i met your mother um but i have seen most of the episodes um there, i mean i'm not going to sit here and say there was no funny parts there were funny parts i like um oh what the hell's the name of the uh, jason siegel yeah um so uh, obviously there are redeeming parts, but no, I wasn't the biggest fan. And it was like one of those shows where I felt like probably went on, you know, like could have ended three seasons before it actually did. Fair enough. So now that we've had pop culture hour, <laughs> uh, 
we're about an hour and 20 minutes in. It's probably a good time to call it a night. Yes, sir. Pick back up. I'll watch two episodes of Game of Thrones before next show. Sounds good. We'll pick back up on the fantasy talk. And by then, we should have at least one round of the NFL draft over. And the Flyers just won. Yeah, they did, man. So, all right. Until next time. Have a good night. You too. Bye.